Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, as I said before, I'm so excited that you would be gathering with us today from wherever you are. Thank you for being part of Vivid Church at Home. We are in a series called Influencers. And before I go any further, I got to say it's a little bit humorous. It's been kind of ironic. For months, Jennifer and I have been talking about this series, Influencers, reminding us as a church that God has called us to be an influence in our world, to influence the sphere around us. And halfway through this series, we find ourselves in a really new way, having to be influencers as a church, to take our message and make it digital and do what we can to reach people. And so we're all in this together, guys, trying to learn and grow in God. This this message influencers, it really is, is founded and built upon this reality that Jesus in John chapter 8 and verse 12 referred to himself in this way. He said, I am the light of the world. There's nothing more influential in a dark place than light. If you turn a light on in a dark room, immediately the whole room has to take note of what has changed. And Jesus says, I'm not only the light of a room, I'm the light of the world. And then in Matthew chapter 5, 14, he says to his disciples, and by extension to you and I, he says, you are the light of the world. Wow, that's a, that's a heavy mandate. That's pretty serious. I probably spent more of my life than I'd like to admit living under the, the weight of that or even some burden feeling like I have to effort and work to be as good as Jesus, to be as perfect, as flawless, as, as pure in my motivations and feeling often like I'm missing the mark. But the truth is this, Jesus is not calling us to be lights as if we produce light within ourselves. Instead, he's calling us to reflect his light. In fact, if you've ever been to one of our live gatherings, or if you've ever been to a hub, or even conversed one-on-one, you've probably heard the mission of our church is to reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Really believing with conviction that if we look to Jesus, we will look more like Jesus. Jesus is calling you and I into a dark world, not to be producers of light, but to be reflectors of his light, to bring his hope into a dark hopeless world, to bring his joy into a a world that maybe now as much as ever feels ridden with anxiety and uncertainty and confusion. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, Peter is speaking and he, he, he gives us this instruction. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an account when everyone asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have but do it with gentleness and respect. So we've been asking ourselves the question, how often are people asking us, where do you get your hope? How often is that question being posed to us on a day-to-day or a week-to-week or a month-to-month basis? Hey, where does your hope come from? Do you know that hope actually is the brightest in hopeless situations? Hope actually shines the brightest when, when everything else seems hazy or dim or bleak. And so these last number of days, I can tell you this, I've been asked this question a lot. Where do we get our hope from now? You know, what's God going to do in this? As the coronavirus is a pandemic, and it also has led to really worldwide panic, 
where do we find our hope? My job situation is uncertain. Maybe that's been your story. My health situation seems scary. Perhaps that's been your score, your story. Someone I love is, is isolated and I can't be with them. Maybe that's your story. Where does our hope come from? Well, the Bible says this, that God keeps our hearts in perfect peace as we set them upon him. In other words, if we make the decision and the determination, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. I am not going to be manipulated by and tossed around by the changing uh, message of the media. And I'm not going to be influenced strongly by the fears around me. Instead, I'm going to continue to focus on Jesus that God truly has a plan in the midst of this, that he really is good. And I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I'll be strong and take heart and I'll wait on the Lord. I want you to hear this, that, that our message will always be one of hope, that Jesus has a plan, that he's still on the throne, that he is good, and he will work good in us and through us, even in a time that seems isolated and lonely and alone. Can I pray for you today? And then we're going to begin in this third message in the Influencers series. Jesus, right now I ask for every person who hears my voice, whether they're watching online or they're listening later on a podcast, in their home or gathered with their family on a device, whatever that might be, I pray today that you would use your timeless word to speak into this time, into this moment, into this day. And you give us application that if we were to put into practice would lead us to hope and freedom. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're taking notes today, really simple message. The title today is Stir Crazy. Stir Crazy. Have you felt that way? I, I know for some I've talked to, they've said, this last few days has been great. I've had more time than I typically had. I've had more, you know, alone time, more solitude, more time of rest. Then I've talked to others who have felt oppositely. They've said, man, this is this has been crazy. My apartment is not as big as I remembered it to be. My, my house is not as exciting as I would hope it would be. And we're only a few days in and I'm getting a little bit restless. Stir crazy. Let me tell you a story from scripture as we're doing every week. John chapter 5. Here's a story of a person who interacted with Jesus. And after their interaction became an influencer in their sphere of influence. Perhaps today you have a Bible on hand, like an analog Bible. If so, why don't you open it up to John chapter 5. For many, you're watching on the same device that is your Bible. And so just jot this down and you can read it afterwards. It's an incredible story. I'd love to read it for you now. John chapter 5, starting at verse 1. It says, Sometimes late, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five co covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and would stir up the water. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. 
The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath, and the law forbids you to carry that mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who had been healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped into the crowd that was there. But later Jesus found him at the temple, and he said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away, and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. What an interesting story. Without a little bit of cultural context, this story just seems, you know, wild and miraculous. Let me give you, give you that context. First of all, as often seemed to be the case, Jesus loved to do work on the Sabbath. And this was a cultural no-no to say the least. It was illegal and forbidden in the area that anyone should do any work on the Sabbath. It was an interpretation of what they thought would be the heart of God. And into what was thought to be the norm, Jesus continually instructed and taught that it was proper and right to be kind on the Sabbath day. And so into this day, into this time, Jesus shows up in a place in the city where it was common for, for sick, diseased, and paralyzed people to gather. The Bible says those who were mute, deaf, dumb, blind, paralyzed, all gathering around this place. And what they were waiting for was for the water to be stirred. As they waited for the water to be stirred, you could say they were going crazy. It was a pretty restless place for people in need to be gathered. And, and the tradition was this, that that stirring of the water, it somehow brought enough power for one person to be healed. Now, I have no idea if anyone was ever healed there. I don't know if this was simply a legend or if perhaps by God's grace, he responded to the faith that people had in a moment like that as God can tend to do. But what we do know is that there was many people there. And I want, want to show you today four really simple things that, that take place between Jesus and this man that I also think are taking place between Jesus and us today. Jesus, first of all, in verse 6, it says this, Jesus saw him. You might think it's simple, I think it's profound, that in a crowd of those in need, Jesus still saw one person. In a crowd of those who had issue and, and were really desperate, Jesus still saw the individual. Right now in our, our world, hundreds of thousands of people are, are suffering. Some because they are sick and many because they are terrified and uncertain of what the future is going to hold. And even in the midst of that chaos, Jesus sees you. You know, maybe you're just in your nobility, you're saying, oh man, God's busy with other things right now. But you need to know the attention of God is on you. He saw you. He sees you. Have you ever been that person in the crowd who feels like nobody notices you? Maybe your, your feeling has been confirmed after a party or a social gathering when someone says, you were there? Oh, I never, I never even saw you. But Jesus is the opposite. He's incredibly personal and he sees the individual. You know, right now we're in a season of social distancing, but I am committed more than ever that though we are socially distant, we must be relationally close. It's what Jesus was like. It's who Jesus is today. He sees the individual. My friend, wherever you are today, Jesus sees you. You might be scared, Jesus sees you. You might be in need, Jesus sees you. 
You might be trying to figure out how you're going to make things work financially as you've lost your job. Jesus sees you. Perhaps you're saying, Pastor Justin, my issue right now is not COVID-19. It's not the, the isolation that comes with it. I'm dealing with a with an addiction. I'm dealing with a heartbreak. I'm dealing with a, a financial crisis. I'm dealing with something totally different. Or perhaps you're simply trying to deal with that existential question uh, of like, who is God and what does that mean to me? In the midst of all that, Jesus sees you. And not only does he see him, look what it says here. It says he learned that he had been in that condition for a long time. Now I got to say, I feel a little offended by this piece of scripture for one reason. It says the man had been an invalid for 38 years. This week was my birthday. I turned 38. And what I see here in scripture is that John the apostle thinks I'm old because he thinks 38 is a long time. And I would say, If it's speaking to an issue where you're an invalid, 38 is a long time. And maybe you say, the situation I've been in has been a long situation. Jesus sees you in the midst of it. And though it's been a long time, there is hope for you. There is an answer to that problem that you've been awaiting. Watch. Next, it says this in uh, in verse 6. It says, then Jesus asked him. Isn't that cool? Jesus had a question for him. Jesus wanted to hear from him. And the question he asked was simple. Do you want to get well? Now, the answer to the question probably seems obvious. You're like, he's he's by a place where people went to be healed. Of course he wanted to be well. But from time to time, we can find ourselves in hopelessness, just becoming comfortable with hopelessness, losing desire, losing any sort of faith or imagination that things could ever change or ever be better. And so Jesus asked the man the question he wants to hear from him. Perhaps you've stopped praying. Maybe you've you've stopped even articulating what your desire is. You've thought God knows anyway. Or maybe prayer has become for you this last resort instead of a first response. And you simply haven't got around to articulating your desires to God. But the Bible says this, that we can cast all our cares on God because he cares for us. And he, he models it in this story. Into a crowd, he sees a man. He learns his situation, then he asks the question, do you want to be well? You know, perhaps Jesus is asking you that question today. In whatever situation you're in, do you want Jesus to interact? Because he is life personified. He is what hope looks like. Now, the man's answer to Jesus' question of desire is an answer of distraction. Jesus says, do you want to be well? And And the man looking at the water says, how could I ever be well? That water, every time it stirs, I try to get there and no one comes to help me. He's distracted on what he doesn't have. Not even realizing that the the real like living hope is right in front of him. He's thinking, well, I don't have anyone to help me. No one seems to care. I'm watching the water. I'm waiting for it to stir. In the meantime, I'm going crazy and nobody cares. And so Jesus not only sees him. Not only does he ask him, but then it says this, then Jesus said to him. I believe right here today for you and I, Jesus has something that he'd like to say. He has some instruction that he'd like to give. Now his instruction is simple. For this man, it's really simple. He says, don't worry about what you don't have. Don't even worry about the water. I know that the the cultural norm right now is you're waiting for, for an event to take place, but but the person is in your in your midst. Like I am right here. It's not about an event. It's about a, an interaction. 
He says, I want to ask you to do this. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. What he asks of him is really simple, but it still requires incredible obedience. He's asking him to do something the man had never done before. He's asking him to, to believe and have faith, to step up out of his situation and to move forward. And, and for you and I today, God's asking us to do something. Jesus is asking us for something. He's asking for obedience. And obedience is simple, but it's often not easy. It requires a step of faith. What I will say is this, that on the other side of obedience, there's always strength. On the other side of obedience, there's always blessing. On the other side of obedience, there's always hope. We see it for this man. He steps up, he picks up his mat, and sure enough, he can walk. Now, amazingly, those in his, his sphere, they come up to him, and their question is not, how are you healed? Their question is, why are you doing things abnormally? Why are you doing things inappropriately? Who told you to carry that mat? Isn't it amazing that, that he had received a miracle, but people seemed offended? Perhaps you've experienced that, that you're experiencing breakthrough and freedom and, and people are responding in offense or some sort of a difficult uh, way of, of accepting that God's done something amazing in your life. They say, who's this fellow? We want to find him and we got to get to the bottom of this because what you're doing is inappropriate. The man's answer is this. I have no idea who this guy is. He's gone. And it brings us to our, our fourth point. See, Jesus sees, Jesus asks. Jesus says, and then fourthly, it says here in verse 14, then Jesus found him. I love that Jesus found him. I don't know what your, your spiritual quest is right now. Maybe you're searching for meaning, searching for purpose, and you think you're the one who's trying to find Jesus. But the truth is Jesus has always been looking for you. Jesus will find you right where you are. You don't have to aspire to know every answer. Jesus will find you. You don't have to try to do all, all the things right and in the right order. Jesus will find you. He finds this man and he says this, my father, uh, or look what he says, uh, verse 14. It says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now at first blush, I'm like, whoa, that's a really threatening thing. It's like Jesus is saying, you better, you better change. You better be better or, or I'm coming after you. The truth is this, that Jesus is saying, you've desired healing thinking it was the most important thing that could ever happen in your life. But spiritual freedom is what I've really always wanted for you. You've thought that things changing on the external would bring you hope, but it's actually what happens internally that brings hope and brings life. Where we're looking for external uh, you know, freedom and, and forward momentum, Jesus is always looking to set us free on the inside. And so he says, I care about your spiritual health and your spiritual wellness. It says this, the man immediately returned to those who had asked and he told them it was Jesus who had healed them. Now I read a commentary this week and I'm coming to a close right now. And, and that commentary said this, what an evil man that he had received from Jesus. And the first chance he gets, he outs him. The first chance he gets, he goes and, and tattles to the authorities. I personally just don't see that in this story. What I see is a man who was willing to answer anyone who asked. What I see is a man who, who doesn't guess what the response of the religious elite would be. He simply says, if you have a question, I will provide you the answer. If you want to know where my hope come, comes from, let me tell you. Now, up until this point, Jesus had been creating a stir. He made wine out of water at a wedding. He went into a temple and he turned over the money changers tables. He was teaching religious leaders. He was talking to Samaritans. 
He was raising the dead. He had been creating a stir wherever he went. And this man simply said, if you want to know about Jesus, I can tell you my personal experience. Jesus saw him. Jesus asked him. Jesus said to him. And Jesus found him. Jesus sees you. Jesus is asking you. Jesus is speaking to you. And Jesus is finding you. Amazingly, Jesus could have stood up and said, hey, it was me, everyone, it was me, I did the miracle. But instead, he sets this man up to be an influencer in that sphere, to speak the name of Jesus. And I wonder for you and I today, maybe we have a little more time on our computer than we typically do. Maybe a little more time and space to consider our, our social sphere. Perhaps a little more time just on social media. It's funny, it's always been, you know, Get off your phone and go outside. And now it's come inside and get on your phone. But here we are in this season. I really feel stirred that, that we could use this time to revisit old relationships. People that we have fallen out with. People it's been a while since we've talked to. Say, remember that conversation in high school? Can I revisit it? I want you to know that, that the purpose for my life actually comes from Jesus. Hey, that one time that you asked me at a coffee shop where my hope came from and I, I kind of fumbled it. Can I revisit that? Can I, can I converse with you about where my hope comes from? It's Jesus. Maybe this could be a time more than ever before where the message of what Jesus had done, it's not just the external, but there is hope on the inside and it comes from him. Jesus sees you. Jesus is asking you. Jesus is speaking to you and Jesus will find you. In response to all this, there's kind of new uproar. And, and in verse 25, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. If you're watching today, there's a time coming. In fact, it's come where Jesus is speaking into the dead situations in our life and he is beckoning us to life. Meanwhile, we, we're just looking for something to refresh, like water being stirred. If, if only this isolation will end, then I'll feel good. If only my job situation will be rendered, you know, fixed, then I'll feel good. If only my addiction will change, then I'll feel good. And the truth is, Jesus is saying, man, you'll feel good. You'll experience freedom. Not when external things change, but when you hear my voice and you respond to what I'm saying. Wherever you are today, I'd love to pray with you and believe for your situation that God would hear you and he will find you. Can we pray together? Jesus, right now I pray for each one of my friends who's watching this. For people that I know well, those that I have not yet met, I pray that right where you are, or right where we are, that you would meet us. I ask in the name of Jesus that we would experience uh, the closeness of your presence. I thank you that you see us in the midst of this chaotic situation that's happening in the world. I thank you that you, you hear us, the answers to the questions that you're asking. And God, we do say, perhaps it's not been the first response, but we do say, would you bring healing and breakthrough in the world around us and bring hope and life into our situation? Thank you, God, that you're speaking to us. And I pray that we'd have the courageous hearts to step out and follow. And I ask right now for those who feel lost that they'd be reminded that you find us. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.